Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on 8. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. What's up, Dolph fans, and welcome into the Wednesday, October the 18th edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I'm here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. On today's show, we got a jam-packed episode for you guys. It is Film Review Wednesday, my favorite podcast of the week, every single week. And as you guys know, I go through my observations from the All-22 film, from the Dolphins' upset win in Atlanta, offense, defense, and even a little bit of special teams love this week. Also, I discuss the immediate future of the 2017 Dolphins. Are there signs of life for this offense? All of that and much, much more. But first, as you guys know by now, I have to remind you to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, wherever you get your podcasts from. Drop us a five-star rating review. Those subscriptions, ratings, reviews, that's how podcasts are judged. The more we get, the higher we go up the iTunes chart, the more it exposes us to more Dolphins, helps the show continue to grow. Also, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports family of podcasts, including the Locked On NFL podcast and Locked On Heat podcast for local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And lastly, follow me on Twitter at Wingfield NFL. If you like today's show, the audio version, and you don't follow me on Twitter, get over there and do so because I post GIFs of, I have about 30 of the defensive plays all created on my Twitter timeline right now. That's at Wingfield NFL. Follow the show at Locked On Fins and check out LockedOnDolphins.com. We are pumping out content right now, including two from me this week. The first one, the Adam Gaze paradigm dropped on Monday, talking about Adam Gaze's success through 21 games and the things that he has accomplished that the Dolphins have not accomplished in over a decade now. And then also the piece from Tuesday, the Miami Dolphins defense called Rome wasn't built in a day, but the Miami Dolphins defense was because it was over the course of two years reconstructed and put together. I have a bit of, a bit of scheme new, notes for you guys in there, talking about each of the players, comparing them to kind of a pitching staff in baseball and how great that defense has been. So get over there, LockdownDolphins.com. Check that out. And great content from the other three writers on the site as well. One about Charles Harris, one about Leonte Crew, and one about the rookie Dolphin defenders so far and how much they've contributed. So good, good stuff going on for you guys there if you want that print version. Obviously, you have my audio version right here on the Lockdown Dolphins podcast, and we are sponsored by ProFootballFocus.com. Honestly, guys, if you are not using ProFootballFocus.com, you are not getting the full scope of what the NFL has to offer in terms of statistics and signature stats and player grades. It is fantastic. PFF is giving out a free PFF Edge subscription to one one per show per week at a $40 value. They have NFL player grades, snap counts, positional ranks, fantasy projections, rankings, tools, and charts, NFL draft coverage with PFF profiles and college stats, team and player pages featuring PFF stats. That Miami Dolphins page is fantastic. You cannot beat it. Yesterday, we awarded the first ever PFF 
Edge subscription from the show to J.C. Bryant. Uh, he's wa- I'm waiting on him to claim that, but I will give another one out here shortly, and we'll get you guys more of those. All you have to do is go on to Twitter, or not on Twitter, excuse me. You have to go on to iTunes, write us a nice little review, and leave your Twitter handle in that review for a chance to win your free PFF Edge subscription today. All right, let's go ahead and jump right into this film review and get talking about how dominant this Miami Dolphins defense has been so far this year, and it continued in Atlanta. I talked about it on Sunday's show and on Tuesday's show, and every show possible I, I can talk about it, I will. And you guys know that my background in terms of studying the game comes from the offensive side of the football. And I find myself more attracted to the defensive side these days just because they're playing a lot better and it's more fun to watch. I mean, you guys have told me on Twitter how much more you enjoy the GIF cutups every day when we win opposed to when the Dolphins lose. And it's just the same way for me. I told my girlfriend this, getting on the podcast, getting on the mic and doing the podcast and writing the commentary. I like doing it regardless, but I love doing it when they're winning and the defense right now is worthy is is the one that's worthy of my eyes and my attention. So I've been watching them a lot more closely than the offense. I mean, I'm doing both, but the defense, I, I don't really know what else to say about this group. I think we can start with the defensive line. There wasn't a bad game in the lot. And how, how many teams can say that? How many teams can throw out eight, nine guys in the rotation and get a good performance out of each and every one of them? These guys can rotate through... They can put four new defensive linemen that aren't even stars in the game, and they can be okay. And what that does for Indomitian Sue, for Cam Wake, for Andre Branch, these guys are a little bit older, that maybe could use a little bit of a rest, even though Sue plays almost every damn snap as it is. It makes them fresh. It makes them even harder to deal with late in games. You see Cam Wake exploding off the ball still at age 35 late in games. You see Charles Harris just whipping tackles when he's fresh and ready to go. And Jordan Phillips, 21 snaps in the game, and he's dominating. These guys are playing such good football, and I really I, I really don't have an individual performance to go out and point to you, point out to you guys and say that this guy was better than the next because they were all so dang good. Cam Wake's pass rush, pass rush productivity has just been off the charts. I referenced this in the piece that is actually currently featured on fanrag.com it's it's my piece Travis Wingfield talking about how the Dolphins defense was built overnight essentially and uh, talking about Cam Wake coming back from the injury and how since that injury he's played 21 football games and he has a pass rush productivity of 18.1 percent what that means you take the amount of pressures he gets and you divide it by the number of pass rush snaps that he takes so I think it was 90 pressures out of 497 pass rush snaps that he is getting pressure on the quarterback that's a hit hurry or sack that's 18.1 percent no player in the history of pro football focus that when since they started doing this back in like 2007 that has been over 15 percent has not gone to the pro bowl 18.1 percent we're talking about von miller khalil mack we're talking about the very very elite pass rushers in the nfl Cam Wake gets there at age 35, coming off of an Achilles tear. The guy is simply not human. And his counterpart on the other side, Charles Harris, people were complaining about, you know, the draft day. They wanted to draft Reuben Foster. I personally wanted Obi Melifonwu, who's been banged up and injured for the Raiders and hasn't been productive at all. Charles Harris is getting the job done for the Dolphins. He's already done more than Deion Jordan ever did. He's getting pressure on the quarterback. He harassed Drew Brees in, game, in the third game of the year. He harassed Matt Castle last week. He harasses... Matt Ryan in this game, he gets another another pressure on the game-winning drive. He had the uh, sack that clinched the game last week against the Titans. He's having a great start already. I mentioned Jordan Phillips is awesome. Devon Godshaw, he's he's up and down, but his good plays are really, really good where he takes on double teams, and it's a very good piece to have next to Ndamukong Sue. He has a great double-team eat where he allows Lawrence Timmons and Kiko Alonso both to free flow into the correct hole and make a stop at the line of scrimmage whereas they wanted that guard to peel off of Godshaw and get to the second level. Godshaw doesn't allow it and just eats that play and dominates it. So 
like I said, you just cannot point to one guy. You know, I, I got to throw a Dominican Susan in there. I, I'm guilty of this myself. I talked about it on Twitter, how this guy just gets overlooked because he's so dang good that there's nothing really new to say about him. He's in the backfield. They have to double team him. They can't handle him on the pass rush without chipping him or double teaming or getting help from the back of the tight end. And with Cam Wake on the same side, it's impossible to deal with. These two guys, Cam Wake and Dominican Sue, when we signed Sue, the idea was that that side of the line was going to be immovable and now they have the pieces at linebacker and defensive tackle next to him on the opposite end of the defensive line to really capitalize on the strength of those two players these two all-world players that both belong in the pro bowl and possibly even all pro first second team that type of honor these guys are that good the defensive line has been that good and what makes it even more fun is you go back to the second level of the defense at linebacker and I can't really see much of a, of a drop-off there. And how long have we been waiting to say that? When was the last time the Dolphins had linebackers that you felt good about? In that brand new commentary that I wrote on fanrag.com, on lockedondolphins.com, unlike Rome, Dolphins defense built in a day, they remade this linebacker core from 2015 when they had Jelani Jenkins, Kelvin Shepard, and Neville Hewitt starting games. And you even get contributions from Spencer Pacinger and Mike Hole and these other guys that just aren't very good football players. I mean, I don't want to bash on the guys too much, but they're just not, they're not the replacement level players at best. And you go from that to Kiko Alonso, who is playing so much better than he ever has, in my opinion, with Lawrence Timmons, who is just on fire. And kudos to him because I didn't know that he would come back. I wasn't sure if I wanted him back after that whole charade week one. So bad. But I just think that his presence and what he does with Kiko allows both those guys to play at the top of their game. They're both, they both can blitz a little bit. They both can defend the run. This is more about Timmons. He's great. And Timmons is doing great at everything, honestly. And there's one play that I, I tweeted out a gif of, of him where he is in zone coverage. He chips the tight end. He passes off a crossing receiver. And then he goes and closes down Devontae Freeman, who's going to catch a screen pass. And if Freeman catches the football, it's going to be a five-yard loss unfortunately for the Dolphins, he drops the ball. But Timmons, he literally takes three jobs in one play and dominates it. It's it's really fun to watch on t- on film and tape. I can't get enough of seeing it. Those two guys have just been playing fantastic football so far. And moving back into the secondary, I've been seeing Xavier Howard get kind of a little bit crapped on here the last couple of weeks and just talking about how he wasn't that great as a rookie. And yeah, he had some struggles, I, th- I think, in that rookie year and how he's kind of struggling this year. Well, he chased around Julio Jones for 20 out of 33 snaps on Sunday, which is, you know, they, they wanted to kind of have him trail him. And there was a bunch of plays that Jones, or not a bunch, but a few plays where Jones caught passes where Howard's right there in perfect coverage. And because of the MVP of the league is quarterbacking and because one of the two or three best receivers in the NFL is catching the ball, you're not going to defend that. You can't defend a perfect pass. That's the way the NFL is set up. And he gets burned a couple times on that. The big touchdown play was definitely Nate Allen's fault. Xavier Howard's playing with outside technique or I guess outside leverage, trying to funnel the play back into the middle. Kiko Alonso follows the tight end to the corner route underneath, and he has that defended. But Nate Allen, for some reason, decides to come up and help on that corner route, which I guess is what the Titans, or not the Titans, the Falcons were trying to do is isolate Nate Allen and get him into position to make that type of mistake. He did. The play gets opened up top, and Xavier Howard's standing there looking like a fool, even though it wasn't his fault. So don't get too down on Xavier Howard. He's playing okay, not great. Not as good as Cordray Tankersley, who has just continues to impress me. The two plays at the end of the game, the last play of the game, obviously, he has that great closing speed from behind, reaches around without getting his hand on the back of Austin Hooper, punches the ball loose, 
creates the turnover, wins the game for the Dolphins. But two plays prior to that, he makes a play that is something that a lot of veterans can't even do, and it's a studious play. You mix that with his talent, his athleticism coming from the University of Clemson, it's a it's going to be tough to to beat this guy. They're in a cover two with Rashad Jones over the top helping him out, and Rashad Jones kind of flatlines the corner route. So a smash concept in football is when you have a cover two, which is where the safety's up top and the corner's down underneath, and they're kind of covering one side of the field with two zones low and high, right? So the smash concept, you're going to have your perimeter receiver run a little hitch or a, or a quick, like something short to pull the coverage down and then to expose that safety to the corner because that's the open part of the cover two is the corner route. And they try to do that to Cordray Tankersley with a little flat route and then they go to the corner and Tankersley baits like he's going to go take the flat route and then hangs back and gets right into the passing lane. And he did the same thing against Drew Brees and the Saints and he almost got the pick against the Saints. In this game, he almost gets his hands on the ball, but it affected Matt Ryan's throw enough to where it was incomplete. Just a fantastic veteran play from a guy that's only played in his third NFL start. Very, very impressive from him. Bobby McCain, the slot cornerback. I have been a fan of his for a while. He hasn't quite lived up to it. And if you guys remember Ian Wharton on the Friday show, and if you haven't listened to that show, go back and do it. It's a really good podcast, and it, it doesn't it doesn't age poorly. It ages pretty well. We just talked about the Dolphins in general. He's a great NFL mind to pick his brain. We talked about how playing slot corner is really hard for anybody. No one's really that good at it because you have to defend two directions and you're on an island by yourself. Very difficult position to play. And Bobby McCain is doing, I think, is Ian called him a replacement level player, which means you can just kind of find anybody to put in there. But I kind of disagree with him on that. I think he's playing a little better this year. He's elevated his game. He's been good in coverage. Have you really seen him get burned that many times in one single game? I don't think I have. And as a tackler, he's been fantastic coming up and making run stops. He has a couple of good tackles in this game. So McCain playing better. You guys know about Rashad Jones, just a complete dog. I compared him to Troy Polamalu on Twitter today. And I don't know that people agree with that because the 40 times is about you know, Polamalu ran a 4-3-3, Jones ran a 4-5-2, but I don't really care about 40 times. It's more about football speed and on the on the field speed. And Rashad Jones is not lacking in that department whatsoever. He is just on top of things. He's quick to diagnose. He closes downhill so quickly. I made another tweet saying that I think that I would take I would put money on Rashad Jones having the most distance closed per tackle in the NFL. What I mean by that is coming down from a deep center field, coming from the opposite side of the hash mark to the other to the other hash to make a tackle. He closes so much ground when he makes tackles. It's so impressive, and it prevents so many big plays for the Dolphins' defense. So much fun to watch. He was fantastic. Nate Allen has been complete trash this year. I thought maybe he could work out in the scheme. He's not. The Dolphins need TJ McDonald back in a hurry. So that's your defensive review. Let's talk about the offense now. But before I do that, I just got to remind you guys again, this is the Locked On Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Locked On Fins and LockedOnDolphins.com. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. All right, let's talk about the offense on Sunday and their their uh, bounce back, I suppose, if you will. I mean, they started off the game, they moved the football, just couldn't get in the end zone. And then finally, in the second half, they start getting the payoff a little bit. And I wanted to start talking about the receivers a little bit because I thought they played better. They had some issues in the first half with some drops. But Jarvis Landry, I, I talked to him about this on the Friday podcast with Ian once again, talking about his kind of subdued mentality and how he's not 
bringing that juice. Well, he turned the juice meter back up this game. He was doing that flex thing where he walks with his arms straight out. Like he just can't be like he's carved out of stone or something. And he was really energetic and really excited about playing. He scores a touchdown, just chucks the ball into the stands. You see that emotion come back. That's what they need from Jarvis Landry. At the very end of the game, if you guys have it on DVR, go back and watch it. It's awesome. Jarvis Landry comes running up to Adam Gaze when they're all coming onto the field, picks him up and squeezes him and lifts him up high. And Gaze is giggling like a little girl. Very fun to see that. I hope that's a relationship we see going forward rather than the one where they're kind of bickering. I thought Kenny Stills had his best game of the year. He consistently had separation. He had got the four targets for four catches for 49 yards. So not a big day statistically, but he did enough to move the chains and keep the Dolphins moving the football. And when you get the ball targeted four times and you make 49 yards out of it, that's a very, very good average. As I mentioned on the show, eight yards is where you want to be for a good receiver. He's up over 10 yards in that, in that category. So he's back in the fold finally. Offensive line play, Jawan James had another very good day. He has a great... Uh, combination block where he gets the second level on one of Jai's big runs on that final drive. It was right around midfield and he creates a big hole and Jai gets down to like the 35 yard line. Huge, huge important play in that game. I thought Jake Brendel made Mike Pouncey's absence pretty much unnoticeable. He played not great, but Mike Pouncey hasn't played that great either. So he came in and did just fine. We'll see what happens with Mike Pouncey moving forward. Anthony Steen had a great pin block on Ajayi's 15-yard run prior to the one that I referenced talking about Jawan James. And it gets the Dolphins into Falcons territory. And Ajayi just runs like a beast and, and dominates that run. But Anthony Steen pins this guy in, creates a big hole. Ajayi rips off about 15 yards there. Very good to see that. I'm going to get to Jay Ajayi here in just a second and talk about his game from a statistical standpoint, but we'll touch briefly on Jay Cutler, even though you guys know my feelings there. I thought he had another very, very bad game. Those two interceptions that were wiped out, or I guess one was dropped and then another one was wiped out. I mean, those are some bad throws, man. You can't do that. And if either of those goes the Falcons way, the Dolphins probably don't win that game. So he tries to cost the Dolphins the game, luckily the defense and uh, some bad luck for the Falcons defense helps the Dolphins get that win and, and prevents Jay Cutler from costing the win. He has another bad game. But the offense might be coming around, and I'll tell you guys about that here in a minute, but first I want to talk about Sonoris Perry on special teams, and this is a guy that I would I would venture to guess most offense fans don't even know who he is. He's the fourth running back on the roster. He is never going to see the field on offense unless there are two or three injuries within a game, and even then he might not see the field, but as a special teams kick coverage guy, he has been terrific. I think I've noticed a tackle in each of the last three games from him getting downfield, and on the Falcons' final drive, Frankly, if this this I didn't really think of this until just now, but on that kickoff coverage, he gets a tackle right around the 15-yard line. If the Falcons keep that ball in the end zone, go out to the 25, that might change the dynamic of that drive. The Falcons might be 10 yards closer to the end zone when they try to throw that in cut to Austin Hooper that gets picked off by Rashad Jones and broken up by Cordray Tankersley. Got to mention that. But Snorris Perry getting down there and making a great special teams tackle puts the, the Falcons back deep in their own zone. Could have changed the game. You never know. So give credit to that guy. He has been fantastic on special teams. And lastly, here on the film review from the offense, I talked about Jay Ajayi a little bit. I wanted to save him for the end here because I know that yesterday was the statistical show and talking about all the good analytics I like to get him behind. I can never get to all of them. There's just so many stats I can go over. And I'm going to give you guys some more stuff about the Dolphins' drive counts earlier or later in the show, I should say. But from our good friends at PFF underscore Miami, that's at PFF underscore Miami. It's the Pro Football Focus page for the Miami Dolphins. You guys, you got to go follow it. It's a fantastic follow. Jay Ajayi was the top-graded running back in the NFL in Week 6, and the reason he is is because 96 of his 130 yards came after contact. 96 out of his 130. That is ridiculous. Such a good running back, such a good player, such a hard guy to bring down, such a beast of a workhorse for this offense. Cannot say enough about the guy. I'm sure you're complaining about your fantasy lineups that no one cares about and talking about how 
you know, he's killing your fantasy team if you took him in the first round this year. Well, who cares? Because he is getting it done for the Dolphins when he can, when there are holes. The offensive line has let him down this at times this year. The red zone offense has let him down in terms of a touchdown standpoint, but he still remains one of the best backs in football. And speaking of those stats, I, I wanted to research something for you guys here, and I found some good stuff talking about Rashad Jones's presence and preventing big plays. I think it's important to note that the running game average on rushes under 20 yards that's where you really want to look at for consistency and you know from that standpoint yeah big plays win and lose games but they're definitely outliers they're, they're things that you can kind of extract from the data and they make the averages off the dolphins are among the best at consistently winning running plays i'll trade one Devonte freeman 44 yard gallop any day for 15 runs that go for three yards or less and that's what happened in this game the dolphins were so good on so many running plays and i saw trey wingo on nfl primetime imploring the Falcons to run the ball more. And if you actually watch the game, rather than just looking at the stats, the raw yards per average stat, you'll know that the Falcons had no success running the ball in that game. They had one big run that gave them the good stats. But outside of that, it was negative yardage. It was no game. It was one, two, three yards. That was it. They were not gashing big runs in that game whatsoever. And that's a win for the defense every single time. And the same can be said about JGI in the offense. Yeah, he has his big runs. He has big runs last year. But he has more runs in that 10 to 20-yard range than any team in football since going back to his breakout last year in the Pittsburgh game. So the last 17 football games, no one has more yards in that range or runs in that range than JHI. And it helps this offense continue to get first downs and keep the, the sticks manageable on second and third down. It's very important to win those running plays, not just pop big ones and then go for no yards. I, I guess that Barry Sanders would be a great example of this. And yeah, he's a great all-time running back, but he was the guy that would go one yard, two yard, three yard, one yard, no gain, negative one yard, three yards, four yards. And then he bust that 70 yarder and it makes his average look so good. But is it really? I mean, Leonard Fournette had 130 yards on Sunday, 75 coming the first play of the game. And don't get me wrong, a 75-yard touchdown to open the game is what you want to do. And it's a great run, a great play. But they're not consistently winning in the running game. That's what JHI gives you. That's why I think he's the best running back, not named Le'Veon Bell right now. If you don't count David Johnson being out and Kareem Hunt's been great, but let's let him prove it for a few more games. JHI just consistently a great workhorse. And our last segment of this long Wednesday show, the film review show, the Lockdown Dolphins podcast. I wanted, or I posed the question talking about, is the Dolphins offense coming back? And I think that this stat right here would suggest that they are. They're at least getting back a little bit to where they want to be. The last 12 possessions for the Dolphins, and this starts at the end of the third quarter in that Tennessee game. The last 12 possessions, there's four from the Tennessee game, eight from the Falcons game, removing all end of half drives or with a kneel down type of drive. So 12 possessions, the Dolphins average 7.83 yard plays per drive. So almost eight plays per drive in those last game and a quarter. The previous 29 possessions prior to that, they averaged just 4.72 yards per drive. So nearly half as many plays per drive, a lot less three and outs, a lot less scoring drives, obviously. And with Devontae Parker coming back, and we'll see what happens with Mike Pouncey with the offensive line getting more cohesion. Maybe Jay Cutler starts making a few more of those good plays opposed to the bad ones. And Jarvis Landry getting his stuff back together. Same with Kenny Stills, Jay Ajayi getting going again. And this defense playing the way they are. If this offense can get back to top 20, I think this team has a real chance to get into the playoffs and and you know maybe even upset somebody once they get there. Because if you play that good defense in January, you run the ball that well in January, you're, you're a problem for teams. And so hopefully the Dolphins can get that offense, continue to get going, and you kind of start to see where Adam Gaze is talking about, give it time, I know better than anyone, and he does. And this is a podcast host that has been vehemently suggesting they play Matt Moore. 
And I'm not going to go back on that. I think that he should still play because Cutler's not getting it done. But let's at least give Adam Gaze a little bit of a leash. He's been a fantastic coach for the Dolphins. He's turned things around for this organization. And let's give him a little bit of respect in terms of him knowing the quarterback and Jay Cutler. All right, guys, that's going to do it for today's show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating review. Check out the other Locked On Sports podcasts for all your local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Follow me on Twitter, at WingfieldNFL. Check out LockedOnDolphins.com. Like I said, the great... Uh, Dolphins defensive piece up right now, as well as plenty of other stuff. Be back tomorrow with another edition of the Lockdown Dolphins podcast brought to you by Pro Football Focus, your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. What you doing? Ran out of space on my phone, so I'm deleting some stuff. Bye, singing dog. Bye, goal. I pronounce you. Bye, wedding ceremony. Stop. At Metro PCS, you get two free phones with twice as much memory. Really? Don't say bye to your memories. Switch to Metro PCS and get two free LG K20 Plus phones with 32 gigs when you switch two lines. Metro PCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.